Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about how the government influences how you run your business. What's supposed to be this way, but uh, with recent Supreme Court cases since the New Deal, things have kind of changed. Also, we'll visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is February the 8th, and on this day in 1943, Japanese troops evacuated Guadalcanal, leaving the island in Allied possession after prolonged campaign. The American victory paved the way for other Allied wins in the Solomon Islands. Guadalcanal is the largest of the Solomons, a group of 992 islands and atolls, 347 of which are inhabited in the South Pacific Ocean. The Solomons, which are located uh, northeast of Australia and have 87 indigenous languages, were introduced to Europe in 1568 by a Spanish navigator. In 1893, the British annexed Guadalcanal, along with other central and southern Solomons. The Germans took control of the northern Solomons in 1885, but transferred these islands except for Bougainville and uh, Buca, which eventually went to the Australians, to the British in in 1900. The Japanese invaded the Solomons in 1942 during World War II and began building a strategic airfield on Guadalcanal. On August 7th of that year, U.S. Marines landed on the island. The Japanese responded quickly with sea and air attacks. A series of uh, bloody paddles uh, ensued in the debilitating tropical heat at Marine, as Marines sparred with Japanese troops on land. While the waters surrounded the Guadalcanal, the U.S. Navy fought six major engagements with the Japanese between August 24th and November the 30th. In mid-November 1942, the five Solomon brothers, uh, Sullivan brothers from Waterloo, Iowa, died together when the Japanese sank their ship, the USS Junau. Uh, both sides suffered heavy losses of men, warships, and planes in the Battle of Guadalcanal. An estimated 1,600 U.S. troops were uh, killed. Over 4,000 were wounded and several thousand more died from disease. The Japanese lost 24,000 soldiers. On December 31, 1942, Emperor Hirito told Japanese troops they could withdraw from the area. The Americans secured Guadalcanal about five weeks later. The Solomons gained their independence from the Britons, uh, British in 1978. The late 1990s uh, fighting broke out between rival ethnic groups on Guadalcanal and continued until an Australian-led international peacekeeping mission restored order in 2003. Today, with a population of over half a million people, the Solomons are known as a scuba diver and fisherman's paradise. Can you believe that all that war breaking out and now it is a paradise? of tranquility. Uh, Well, one note before we get into the uh, State of the Union address, LeBron James became the NBA's all-time leading scorer last night, topping Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with his 38,388th career point. He's accumulated his points not by pure domination, but by consistency. He's led the league in scoring for only one season, but he scored at least 10 points in 1,140 consecutive games, the longest streak in NBA history. Congratulations to LeBron James, the the skyhook Abdul-Jabbar. Tough thing to overcome, but I'll tell you, uh, LeBron James, I certainly don't appreciate everything he has to say, but he's a great basketball player. Congratulations to LeBron James. Well, Representative Thomas Massey made this tweet. I found it interesting. He said, if Biden shoots down the balloon, it will be the first thing he's ever done to combat inflation. (laughs) Pretty clever. In any event, President uh, Joe Biden made numerous false or misleading statements during his opening remarks in the State of the Union address on Tuesday evening. Uh, Biden started out by making misleading claims about the economy, claiming that he created a record 12 million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president ever in four years. 
course, if you fail to note that many of those jobs were people coming back to jobs they lost during the pandemic. Uh, Biden touted how gas prices have gone down slightly, but failed to note that the skyrocketed, they skyrocketed to an all-time high during his administration. He claimed that the inflation is coming down, but failed to note that inflation levels had remained high throughout his administration and peaked at 40-year highs. He also claimed that Americans' take-home pay has gone up, without mentioning that record inflation has severely impacted those gains, in fact, taking them all away. He blamed skyrocketing inflation rates that exploded under his watch on the pandemic that disrupted supply chains and Putin's war that disrupted energy and food supplies. He failed to note that inflation rates took off under his administration, not the previous administration, and how his $1.9 trillion rescue plan turbocharged inflation. So you listen to what he had to say, and you say, that's pretty impressive unless you really understand the facts. Well, in fact, he called for unity, pointing to the bipartisan success of the past Congress. We often told the Democrats and Republicans can't work together, he said, but time and again, Democrats and Republicans came together, he continued, touting bipartisan support for Ukraine and the passage of a bill awarding relief to victims of toxic burn pits. Such a please uh, bookended the address as Biden returned to the theme of bipartisan cooperation uh, near the end of the address with a call to end cancer. He also referenced the major AIDS relief program uh, that Congress embraced before former President George W. Bush. He then pivoted to acknowledge Paul Pelosi, the husband of former House speak, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who sustained a hammer strike in the head during a home invasion last year. There's no place for political violence in America, he said. Democracy has not been a partisan issue. It's an American issue. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans, he said. <laughs> Although he stokes the fires of divide so much in just everything that he does, it's hard to understand it or listen to what he's had having to say about this. Biden also called for the nation to once again ban assault rifles in the United States, touting his push to enact the 1994 assault weapons ban that expired under Bush. One of the president's guests was Trandon Say, a survivor of the recent mass shooting which who wrestled control of a firearm from a gunman who already killed 11 people during the lunar night a mass shooting. <clears throat> he saved lives. It's time we do the same, Biden said of say. Uh, ban assault weapons now, he shouted to applause, contending that the mass shootings tripled after the 1994 uh, ban expired. However, Colorado Springs Representative Lauren Boebert shook her head in opposition. Biden also addressed his financial reforms and tax proposals, asserting that under my plans, as long as I'm president, nobody earning less than $400,000 a year will pay an additional penny in taxes. Passed my proposal for the billionaire minimum tax, he said, no billionaire should be paying a lower tax than a school teacher or a firefighter. So I guess that means if your tax bill is higher, you can just uh, put a note on your tax return that, uh, you know, I hit my limit. I, this is what I paid last year. I'm not paying a penny more, according to the president. Don't think that'll work. Anyhow, he went on to highlight Big Oil's record profits amid a global energy crisis. He then lamented that they, they refused to invest in domestic production, asserting that they had concerns he would shut down production. Biden then earned laughs when he retorted that oil would remain necessary for another decade. <laughs> Biden then proposed a quadrupling of the tax on corporate stock buybacks before touting the hiring of additional tax agents to go after wealthy tax cheats in a move he called fiscally responsible. The president then claimed that his administration had cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion over the past two years, the largest deficit reduction in American history. Of course, uh, that had, because of the huge amounts that were spent in the previous uh, year, and because of uh, his... Uh, $1.7 trillion ta uh, uh, bill that he passed in the first year of his uh, administration. He further blamed much of the existing national debt on his predecessor, Donald Trump, which prompted boos from Republicans. The president's plea for Medicare expansion and overall health care reform included many nods to Republicans as respective areas for compromise amid an ongoing negotiation over the national debt. In one such proposal, he suggested giving Medicare the power to negotiate drug prices with pharmaceutical companies. Giving the program such flexibility doesn't just save seniors' money, it cuts the federal deficit, he claimed. 
by hundreds of billions of dollars because these are prescription drugs, are drugs purchased by Medicare. He then turned to his detractors. He sought to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, asserting that if you try anything to raise the cost of prescription drugs, I'll veto it, he said. Biden also discussed his successes in the legislature, touting a bill last year that funded the domestic production of semiconductor chips. In particular, he pointed to the planned construction of a manufacturing plant outside of Columbus, Ohio, that he said would be literal field of dreams for those seeking economic opportunities and produce 10,000 jobs. These chips were invented in America, he said. We're going to make sure that the uh, supply chain for America begins in America. During the address, he also announced that he would require all building materials in federal construction projects be made in America. Lumber, glass, drywall, fiber optic cable would also be domestically sourced from such projects, he said. He uh, earlier opened the address by a jovial note, joking, telling House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I don't want to ruin your reputation, but I look forward to working with you. That was pretty funny. Anyhow, the story of America is a story of progress and resilience. He said, a story unique among all nations. He went on to tout the national, national economy and recovery, citing the creation of 12 million jobs, which he said were more jobs in two years than any president had created in a full four-year term. That's what we mentioned before. That's bunk. Uh, president uh, Biden's overall approval rating stood at 44.2%, according to the Real Clear Politics polling average. By contrast, 51.5% of Americans uh, disapprove. Well, that's pretty much of a time-honored tradition in Washington for a president to deliver his State of the Union address and uh, frame his successes and policy vision before allowing the opposition party to deliver its rebuttal. But Joe Biden upended the tradition, somehow delivering the counter-programming to his own message with a series of negative headlines generated by his own administration. In the hours before uh, the uh, speech, his administration announced the nation had suffered its worst trade deficit in history, at nearly $1 trillion. Shortly thereafter, the Fed chairman warned inflation was not abating as expected. It would be sticking around longer because of a tight labor market, and that produced an expected 500,000-plus jobs in January. Taming inflation is likely to take quite a bit of time, cautioned Jerome Powell. It's not going to be, we, we don't think, smooth. It's probably going to be pretty bumpy. Not to be outdone, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh somehow managed to pick the morning of Biden's second address to announce he's bolting the cabinet for greener pastures at the National Hockey League. Pretty amazing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to speak more uh, to, about the uh, State of the Union Address with Andrew Joppa. Right now, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy. Here's a Chairman Emeritus of the uh, Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Are you planning on traveling abroad? Well, the show is brought to you in part by International Health Plans. Most health plans don't cover international travel. And uh, you can travel with confidence by knowing that you've got the right kind of insurance when you're abroad. Go to internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now, we have with us Bob Levy, chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to defending private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. So thank you for that, Bob. Uh, Last week we ended up our discussion by talking about uh, the mandate to uh, make a uh, cake, a wedding cake for a couple, for example, that might violate your personal beliefs and spiritual beliefs. Well, uh, let's turn to free speech. Which will be the Supreme Court's focus? Will that, uh, will, what's the issue there? The First Amendment uh, guarantees that individuals can't be compelled to say things that they find offensive. Um, you may recall the Supreme Court case involving students uh, pledging allegiance to the flag. It was called West Virginia versus Barnett back in 1943, and the, and the court wrote, Quote, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional <clears throat> constellation, it is that no official can prescribe what shall be orthodox in matters of opinion or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. So that principle shouldn't change just because a business or an activity involves the public either baking a cake or the case before the Supreme Court, which now involves designing a website for a same-sex wedding. The Supreme Court also ruled some time ago that the Boy Scouts uh, couldn't be compelled under a New Jersey public accommodation law to have a gay troop leader. And Rehnquist, who was Chief Justice at the time, said that it would violate the Scouts' First Amendment right of expressive association. Why? Because it would force the organization to send a message both to its young members and to the world that the Boy Scouts accept homosexual conduct as a legitimate form of behavior. And the Boy Scouts did not accept that. And the public accommodations law in Massachusetts couldn't force organizers of a private St. Patrick's Day parade to include LGBT uh, participants. In the court's words, uh, there's a fundamental First Amendment rule that a speaker has the autonomy to decide what not to say. So those are the underlying speech issues that are going to be in play in the case of the web designer uh, designing a website for a same-sex wedding. So it sounds like that free speech takes priority over non-discrimination. Does that mean anti-gay bias will be okay? No, it doesn't. Uh, The key here is the message, not the fact that the customer is, uh, the couple happens to be gay. So try this uh, thought experiment. Uh, 
nuts, those two gay guys uh, walk into this web design company, which is called 303 Creative, and they tell the owner, Lori Smith, that they'd like her to design a website to celebrate a friend's birthday. Can she refuse to do that before? because the couple's gay? Definitely not. Then suppose two different gay guys tell Miss Smith that they're getting married and they want her to design a website for their wedding. Can she refuse because she conscientiously opposes same-sex marriage? Yes. 303 Creative, her company, would not refuse to serve gay people. She would design them a website for just about any occasion, but not for their wedding. Mm. And she would also not design a same-sex wedding website for heterosexual well-wishers of the gay couple. And she wouldn't design websites containing other messages that offend her deeply held beliefs, like those that contradict biblical truths or promote uh, abortion or gambling. So to, to Lori Smith, it's the message that matters and not the identity of her customer. So interesting. So website doesn't have to contain words endorsing same-sex marriage. So why is that speech? Well, throughout her legal briefs, Ms. Smith emphasizes that she doesn't do template, you know, off-the-shelf websites. Her creations are customized around the story of each couple, and that means that they require for her to, to design a website considerable time and personal effort expended on each product. The Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals agreed that her creations are pure speech. But the court then said Colorado's anti-discrimination law is justified to ensure that LGBTQ customers have access to the unique services that Smith provides. And that assertion is quite simply absurd. Mm -hmm. Through 2022, there have been more than 700,000 same-sex weddings in the United States. Can anyone name a single couple that have been unable to arrange for a customized website? So the state, I would argue, has no compelling interest in compromising vital speech rights to ensure access to services that are already available to anyone who wants them. That makes sense. So how will courts determine which websites contain expressive speech and which ones don't? Well, I think the pivotal point is this. Uh, Colorado wants to force Ms. Smith to use her talents to design a website that she hasn't even yet conceived and with the knowledge that her work is going to be on display in celebration of a marital union that her religion forbids. So maybe down the road, courts are going to have to draw lines determining which acts qualify as expressive speech and which do not. But that's what courts do all the time. In a series of previous line-drawing cases, courts have decided that expressive speech can include such things as music, flag-burning, nude dancing, video games, tattooing, custom-painted clothes, stained-glass windows, pictures, films, paintings, drawings, engravings, even some sexually explicit uh, materials. So suppose a gay couple insists on a website with the words, God loves gay marriage. Should Lori Smith, who believes the exact opposite, be forced to design that website? Incredibly, Colorado's public accommodations law says yes. Hmm. I think most reasonable people would say, of course not. Yeah. Viewpoints can't be mandated uh, by the state. So that example is crystal clear. But which other words, or for that matter, symbols or conduct, are sufficiently expressive to be protected under the First Amendment? There, reasonable people can disagree. And that's why we have courts. 
So interesting. Bob Levy again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, will pick this up uh, in our next uh, visit. Uh, I just really appreciate your time here on the show. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So usually we start our discussions every Wednesday morning with uh, some good news. Any good news for us? Well, there, there is some good news, by inference at least. I, I think it's good news that the balloon was not a Russian balloon, because I think that would have probably started World War III as compared <laughs> to it being a Chinese balloon. So that, that's sort of uh, good news in the negative. Uh, I think it was also good news with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' rebuttal to the State of the Union, um, in, in which the independent voters, when they were polled, gave her an A on her pushback performance. I thought that was uh, that was good news. So yeah. uh, I think those are things that are that are worth talking about. And also, and it's also going to be part of my my statements on the State of the Union itself. I thought the Republican pushback. Uh, in, in the, from the House especially, uh, was particularly significant. Now, normally we, we frown on negatives being hurled at the president during the State of the Union. I think this was a totally different environment. We needed to show the rest of the world that we were not Joe Biden. And I think the Republican pushback clearly, clearly demonstrated that we were not Joe Biden. I think that, uh, especially at this point, is an extremely important consideration, Bob. It's so interesting, too. As I recall, uh, someone yelled liar to, at President uh, uh, Obama, and uh, he was ca- uh, castigated for his, for his act. Uh, no, they, they wanted to th- I forget who it was, too, but I think they wanted to throw him out of, out of the House because of that. Exactly, know? and yet uh, you can see uh, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene uh, yelling liar. liar. We could have expected. So, uh, but I, I think it's important that I, I don't want anyone un, to unnecessarily show disrespect for our president. Certainly, I think that's that's not a good thing in general. But I think in this circumstance, uh, considering where we are and the positions we take, and particularly as it pertains to China, uh, I think we had to show that the, the United States is far more uh, than this infirmed president, Bub. 
Absolutely. So uh, what did you think of the speech? Well, I, uh, I have to admit, although I owe America a lot, I don't think I owed it staying up to watch that speech. And I didn't, <laughs> but I did get up especially early this morning and, and caught as much of it in replay as I could. I think I have a, uh, a good idea, balanced idea of exactly what happened uh, during the speech. Um, he seemed to be particularly in bad form uh, during parts of the speech with the the slurring of words and this mechanical, robotic type of uh, presentation style. I thought it was, as always, and to be anticipated, uh, divisive. Uh, I think he once again ran together the legitimate issues of uh, immigration reform and the problems at the border, which is the uh, the response to an illegal invasion. These are entirely different topics, and yet uh, the left continuously makes immigration reform the same as closing down the border. Uh, and I think that obviously the border has been wide open uh, in the last two years since, since Biden came in. Uh, I think his uh, assertion that the Republicans wanted to Onset. Uh, Social Security and Medicare is, is absurd. Uh, is there perhaps some Republican somewhere who wanted to do that? Certainly. But to infer, as Biden did in front of the large worldwide audience for his State of the Union, that the Republicans want to sunset these things uh, was, again, uh, clearly, uh, clearly a lie. Uh, I was particularly interested in his remarks that uh, the use of fossil fuels and the exploration for fossil fuels will have to continue for another 10 years. Now, I think that's a, a number that Biden could establish because uh, I think he would see that as being within his lifetime, at least the, his lifetime as president. But uh, I think that, uh, to me, represents a, uh, a significant uh, change in the general uh, public positioning of his administration yeah. uh, up until that remark as far as I can determine, uh, there was an absolute barrier being put to any positive uh, statement about the need for fossil fuels. I think his remarks last night uh, pretty much pretty much reversed that. Uh, so, in, in general, I thought it was divisive. Uh, I thought his positions, as was to be were to be anticipated, were uh, were extremely political and distortions of, of reality. Uh, none of which was not not expected. I think by anyone who's seen Joe operate for the last two years, Bob. Yeah, no, no question. And uh, he you know, he said that his predecessor left him a bad economy. You know the, that the inflation was uh, uh, had already set in. It hadn't. I mean, all these things were lies, as opposed to kind of stating like we we've uh, got a t you know, we, you can only deal with problems that you admit really exist, and he didn't do any of that. Well, nothing. And I, I think one of the problems, and I've mentioned this, I think, uh, with you before, is that I think the, uh, the Democrats are going to increasingly place the entire responsibility for everything that's happened during the Biden administration on Biden. I believe he will be jettisoned as a candidate before 2024, and I think the Democrats will try to make the case that with the removal of Biden, all of those negatives are no longer worth discussing uh, as part of the Democrats' reality. So I think we have to be careful about that. I think that uh, uh, that has to be something that we, we keep our eye on. I, I think uh, Sarah... Uh, Huckabee Sanders indicated uh, something that I think is going in the right direction when she said he's the first president to have uh, surrendered his presidency to the woke mob. I think she clearly made the alignment that it is not Biden, but it is who is controlling Biden. That is the problem. And even if Biden is gone, that controlling mob will still be there. And I think that's something that must always be kept in mind as we go forward, Bob. Such an interesting comment, indeed. I mean, uh, so let's just uh, pause for a moment and talk about that. Uh, we've got this problem with the vice president, uh, Kamala. Uh, what are we going to do? What, if, what are they going to do about that? And uh, is, is uh, Biden going to be able to finish out his term? I do not think he'll finish out this term, um, although that's, that certainly is a hard thing to predict. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I can. I think we can see it in his just his demeanor, uh, and I think we can also see it within the um, uh, the generally more negative uh, uh, actions of the media as it pertains to Biden. And uh, I will call them attack comments. They're not probably that strong, but attack comments from the media. Uh, I think we're seeing far more pushback than we would expect. Uh, from a candidate that the Democrats would expect to field in 2024. So, no, I, I think Biden will not survive uh, this, this four years. 
Um, I don't know what it means after that. That would bring in, if he doesn't finish, that would bring in Harris. I, I do not think she will be the candidate. And it leaves open, of course, the, the question that perplexes almost everybody who's thinking about it. If it's not Biden and Har- or Harris, then who will it be? I, uh, I, I hate to, to consider, but I think it has a strong possibility. Certainly, uh, it's not something unique with me, but it would be or possibly be Michelle Obama. Or uh, Elizabeth Warren seemed to be licking her chops during. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that's possible. I'm sorry. I, you know, may, maybe it's just my disdain for Elizabeth Warren that makes me say that. But I don't think that's a possibility. Well, from your lips to God's ear. Uh, by the way, uh, the times are a changing, and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber, formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. On Sunday, February the 19th, Hodges Life Celebration Center, located at 26051 South Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, will host a community open house and reception from 2 to 4 p.m. with a ribbon cutting and champagne toast at 3.15 p.m. The new facility reflects the latest innovation in funeral services by Hodges Brand. It's dynamic in its capacity to accommodate both traditional and non-traditional funerals and memorials, said Michelle Matuzak, the funeral director. We're also eager to extend our facility to communities as a gathering place for those wanting to host a special brunch or luncheon among friends or perhaps a dinner to honor an anniversary or a milestone event. We have great catering service as well, she said. Uh, the special guest is going to be Mrs. Thelma Hodges. She is just a sweetheart, 94 years of age. Her husband, Earl, who was the uh, founder of Hodges, uh, passed away in 2013. And uh, they arrived in, uh, both arrived in Naples in 1955. Uh, she is one of the founding three nurses of NCH Healthcare. And he was a returning veteran mortician out of the Korean War and made an obligatory stop. Anyhow, they met at a dinner party, ended up getting married, and 55 years later, voila. She's a fantastic woman. She'll be our special guest. And uh, to make reservations for the event, again, that's February the 19th, Hodges Celebration, uh, Sunday, February the 19th, from 2 to 4 p.m. Call 366-5333. is the phone number to call. Andy, we're going to take a little break. Can you stick around? Okay, Bob. Thank All right, you. we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They prepare elected officials to win in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Uh, so, uh, in summary, about the uh, State of the Union address, uh, do you think he moved the needle at all with the voting public? Do you think it was a success for him? Uh, not if we judge the polling information. The independents um, widely um, uh, rejected his, his comments in, in almost every area, so I, I think that uh, that is probably the best indication I would have expected the Republican audience to find it negative and the Democrats to find it positive. That is to be expected. The independents tend to be the, the bellwether indicator of, of, of the impact, and the independents almost universally rejected every major point that Biden made. Uh, before we move on from this, I'd like to get back to the Republican pushback uh, against the president, which I regarded as an act of courage. And I just recently published an essay where I talked about only courage can save America, Bob. And, and what happens when the institutions of a nation are totally corrupted, when the culture has totally fallen into uh, a state of near debauchery, when that kind of circumstance exists, only three things have ever changed the nature of that nation. War, revolution, and total failure of that system. There is only one thing beyond that that saves a nation, and that is individual courage in that environment. So I look at that Republican pushback as perhaps the, the first salvo in a war of courage that must be launched to save this country, Bob. Interesting observation, Andy, and I, I agree with that because uh, right now, I, in my opinion, uh, it looks to me like the Speaker of the House is rising to the occasion, and I'm pleased to see that. I didn't have a lot of confidence in him when he was running for Speaker of the House, but he seems to be uh, demonstrating some leadership, which is uh, which I didn't know he had. The, the only the only negative I can see so far, and it's it's one I have to nitpick for. It, it's where he uh, suggested that the shooting of Ashley Babbitt was a uh, an appropriate action uh, that took place during the January sixth incursion. Uh, so that, uh, you know, and that's, that's nitpicking, because everything else that I've seen from McCarthy has certainly fulfilled his, his promises and his commitment to the, uh, to the Freedom Caucus. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly okay with, uh, with Kevin McCarthy in the way he handled himself, has handled himself, and also the way he just offered the appropriate facial expressions during the State of the Union, which seemed to be a, a, a strong comment as the speech unfolded. I agree with that, and I'm happy you brought up Ashley Babbitt and, and his comments on that. The only justification I can think of is now that the Capitol Police, if 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 I'm not mistaken, now report to him. He's uh, the person that uh, will be responsible as Speaker of the House. Maybe he did that just to save face with the with the uh, police force, but uh, to me that was just way beyond the pale. I just can't imagine him justifying shooting that woman point blank. Uh, as a as an act of uh, self defense or anything of that nature. Yeah, I, I can see maintaining the need for a working relationship with the Capitol Police Force. And you're right, McCarthy has the the overseer of of that process. On the other hand, this is uh, the the wanton, in my estimation, slaughter of a woman. And yep. uh, I think that that cannot fall into the same category of of, of making friends with the Capitol Police. Bob, I agree with that, Andy. So I want to get you overlooked in this whole thing has been the uh, balloon episode. So it's the communist Chinese and the message that we sent to them, which I think is one of weakness uh, in terms of uh, they violated our airspace. Uh, we did nothing about it until the balloon got all the way across the United States and accomplished their mission. And uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this is certainly a, a normal situation. One nation spies on the other, and the nation that spied on stops it. That should be the bottle. Uh, we can look back to the uh, Francis Gary Powers uh, U-2 uh, flight over the Soviet Union. His flight was shot down. Uh, we were spying, and they stopped it, and that's, that's the model. What we saw here uh, was the allowance of what uh, could certainly be interpreted reasonably as a, uh, as a spy balloon uh, flying with control in some way. We don't understand the mechanism for that control, flying over our air bases and, and nuclear facilities. Uh, apparently, Biden ordered, ordered the shoot-down of this balloon on Wednesday of last week, 
and it was not taken down by the military until Saturday because they decided independently of Biden's order that it would be a danger to the people on the ground. I don't want to be callous about this, but I'd have to offer a big so what about that? The limited possibility of of danger to people on the ground should not have been a barrier to shooting down what might have been a spy incursion, probably was a, a spy incursion into our country. Now, beyond that, we can create some other uh, conspiratorial fight, spite things, uh, uh, things about that balloon that uh, that it might have contained uh, an EMP. It might have contained uh, anthrax. I mean, I'm just making this up, of course. Yeah. Uh, but again, we had no idea what that balloon might have offered. But we do seem to have a high degree of confidence, or should have, that this was that this balloon was spying on the United States. The fact that it was shot down uh, off the coast of uh, of, uh, of this country in the Atlantic is certainly uh, no indication to any anyone that we did our job. Now, they also try to invoke something that needs to be uh, investigated. Uh, They said that there were three balloon overflights of the United States during the Trump administration. Now, all the members of his administration, including Trump himself, have indicated they were never given any information uh, on on those balloon overflights, uh, and that included John Bolton, who was certainly not a big fan of President Trump at this point. So uh, Bolton uh, was, was never told no one in his administration was ever told, which indicates that the military, for whatever their reason, suppressed that information going into the presidency. Uh, and I think that is uh, something that should be of serious concern. Uh, I would offer the hypothesis that they didn't because they knew what Trump would do about it, and that is shoot them down immediately. And for whatever their reasons, the military, independently of their uh, authorizing source, which is the presidency, uh, refuse to uh, bring that information to the president, Bob. Well, and again, the, uh, the uh, chief of staff, uh, he, he's made some questionable decisions. He should be court-martialed, quite frankly. Uh, but I also, I, I really question, well, in fact, there were three balloons during the Trump administration. I mean, I, how do they know that? It's just impossible to know. Um, I, I don't know uh, how they know it or how it's... Uh, somehow becoming, uh, as these situations unfold, uh, everything uh, typically tries to weave itself back to Trump, and uh, that becomes their their excuse for almost everything is is Trump did it or didn't do it, as the case may be. So I, I think this is another example. And you're absolutely right. There's absolutely no documentation of these balloons in, uh, during the Trump administration. I think it's a more uh, dangerous circumstance if it did occur. Mm-hmm. And the military, by their own choice, suppressed that information going to the president. No, I couldn't agree more. So, uh, in your opinion, has this been handled well? Um, we're talking about the balloon situation? No, I mean, if... Uh, in my estimation, of course not. The mere fact that it was shot down post any uh, any damage that this balloon could be doing to our country, I, uh, by all uh, considerations, the uh, information was probably fed live uh, lifetime back to uh, to the CCP. I think that uh, anything that they uh, they made available to themselves was immediately made available. They didn't have to wait for the return of the balloon and all and just nonsense. So no, there was there was nothing good about the way this was handled. Uh, I think it sets up a, a model of chaos uh, in our government and in our response that I, I think the Chinese will make good note of that uh, this country could not even come to a, a simple decision like eliminating a spy threat to this country. Uh, it, it sets, in my mind, serious doubt as to a, a coordinated, non-chaotic response if there's a, uh, a Chinese incursion into Taiwan, Bob. And just underscores the weakness of this administration. Absolutely. Andy, we're going to take a little break. Can you stick around? I will be here. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you, Andy. Have you seen uh, this uh, commercial, or I'm going to call it a a cartoon, uh, celebrating the fact of... uh, critical race theory of uh, uh, slavery reparations and so forth? Well, you, you've defined it. I, I had no uh, intent to talk about slavery, but I'm, I'm always concerned, as you know, when, when there's a, a cultural imprinting going on, especially with children. Uh, Disney has uh, uh, rebooted the, the show The Proud Family, and as you indicated, uh, The Proud Family in, in the episode that I'm discussing talks about the need for reparations and argues that America owes black Americans because America still has not atoned for its systemic prejudice, racism and white supremacy. So that particular episode of the, of the Proud Family. Now, again, I have no inherent interest in going here, but I think it's necessary that, uh, that it be, be discussed at this point. For example, did slavery build America? Uh, in, during the period of, of active slave importation, uh, coming into what was then the British uh, part of North America, 500,000 slaves. That's a big number. Uh-huh. On the other hand, the number going into Brazil... Four million. Four million. So eight times as many slaves went into Brazil. Did they build Brazil? If so, where is the result of that, of that success formula where slavery does it? Going into the Spanish Empire in the Western Hemisphere in general, 2.5 million. So again, where is the success factor in, in South America and Central America, Mexico, uh, as it pertains to the, the value of slaves in building your country? Now, I'm not suggesting that there wasn't uh, some impact positively, let's say, uh, I hate to use the word, but positive uh, in terms of slavery, but certainly they did not build this country. It was built by a, a significant level of intellectual input uh, and significant uh, development of this country industrially. So, yeah, I mean, slaves had a, a an impact, uh, but again, to suggest it built this country uh, is absurd. To suggest that there is still systemic racism and, and prejudice, I, I can't find it. If the word systemic is invoked, Bob, it would have to be in some formulated circumstance where yeah. it can be identified. Uh, if we talk about any area of this society uh, where systemic prejudice can be identified, then I'd like to, I'd like to know about it. So what I see in this this reboot of this uh, the proud family with the uh, the information that I just discussed a few uh, a few seconds ago, I, I think is dangerous because kids are watching this. They're picking up a very distorted imagery of the uh, the past of America and the and more importantly, the current status and the projected future of America. So it is 
these type of things bother me, and I think they should bother bother everybody because they damage all of us, Bob. Absolutely, and parents are hopefully are paying attention to what their kids are watching because this is destructive information. I mean, the last slaves uh, brought into the United States, slave trade was prohibited after 1807, as I recall, and there are very few slave owners. Most of the slave owners uh, were in the South uh, owning cotton fields and so forth, so there are very few Americans who actually owned slaves. Uh, and uh, that, of course, was a, 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 the, at the beginning of the American Revolution. The American Re- Revolution stomped out, uh, I should say, the uh, Industrial Let me Revolution. Give you an interesting statistic, sort of in, in uh, relation to what you're describing. Uh, it can be documented that as a percentage of those in the South who owned slaves, who owned slaves, it was lower than the percentage of freed blacks who owned slaves. Huh. I mean, now, if we talk about the total numbers, of course, they're, uh, they're certainly uh, not, not uh, as big in terms of free blacks owning slaves. But if we talk about the percentage, there was a, a, a higher percentage of free blacks that owned slaves uh, as compared to those in the South. The vast majority of people in the South were, uh, were, were themselves dirt farmers. Uh, they were not slave, uh, slaveholders. Uh, and so this this notion that the the South was driven by these uh, by these slave owners is just is absolutely absolutely fallacious, Bob. So interesting. So uh, just coming full circle about the Joe Joe's State of the Union address last night. Uh, now is is he going to expand his influence as a result of it, or is it going to lessen his influence? Well, I, I think your question is almost rhetorical, Bob, but I'll I'll, I'll address it regardless. I, I think his influence uh, is, is uh, on, the, on the wane. Um, I, I have no doubts that the, uh, the Democrats realize that certainly as much as the, as the Republicans. Uh, I thought the, all the, the responses I saw from the Democrat side of the, uh, of the Congress uh, did not seem to have the, the, uh, the enthusiasm that would normally accompany the, uh, the, the incumbent president of the same party. Uh, so, no, I, I think that his influence is, is waning. Uh, I think that his, uh, his ability to, uh, to even create the illusion of success and with the distortions that can be documented in his speech last night are, are certainly uh, bringing him lower on the, the, the popularity scale and the possibility of running in 2024. You know, I, and I didn't, of course, I didn't stay up to watch the entire speech. I tried to stay up as late as I could. But uh, I stayed up to uh, when he was being booed by, by the uh, because of his comments on Social Security and Medicare. But do, do you read? Did he make any comments about foreign policy? Um, as I did not hear any, and everything I've read in commentary indicated he did not uh, offer any comments on on foreign policy. Uh, I think that included as I think he referred to Ukraine. Uh, only as being our uh, our our, uh, our fight for freedom that it m- must start at at Ukraine, but I, I'm not sure if that's something he said or an additional commentary from the uh, from the Democrats. So I, I, but again, I did hear that he offered little to no commentary on on foreign policy. I I would like to add just so we're not going to have time to fully develop this. Uh, I become increasingly concerned about the rhetoric uh, in Ukraine, uh, the increasing flow of uh, of uh, Huge uh, offensive weapons, the uh, the M1 uh, Abrams tanks, the Leopard 2s coming in from Germany, the continuing rhetoric about the retaking of Crimea and the destruction, the personal destruction of Putin. These are all very dangerous statements to be making. Uh, again, uh, as I as I'll talk about more perhaps next week, uh, mutually assured destruction, which is the uh, the. Uh, the fact that no nation would attack another uh, with nuclear weapons because they'll get destroyed themselves. That concept of MAD is negated when a nation feels that it'll be destroyed by conventional war or a leader of a nation feels that he will be destroyed by a conventional war. Uh, as we talk about Putin and describe him as a me- megalomaniac, a paranoid, schizophrenic, as we use this terminology to talk about, about Putin and at the same time 
talk about destroying him and his leadership role in Russia. That is setting up a, a potential re- elimination of MAD as a barrier to nuclear war. Uh, I'm not predicting it. It's still very unlikely, even with what I just said. But I think the comments that they're making now increases the possibility dramatically. Not to make it likely, but dramatically increase the possibility, Bob. Andy, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Again, the name of the book is Josephus of Oz. I hope you check it out. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We'll talk soon, Bob. All right. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Seton Motley, the founder and uh, president of Less Government, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>